Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to From Hot Mess to Awesomeness, the podcast, the break that every busy woman deserves. We are uh, live streaming into our Facebook group for the first time, which is very exciting. Um, So for those of you who are on Facebook, hello. And um, I have a very good friend of mine joining me today. I met this amazing woman at a networking event, as it happens in the world of um, entrepreneurs. We go out, we meet people, and uh, me being my number one core value is connection. Shocker, I go out and I I get interested in meeting people. (laughs) And from the minute I met Jess, I was like, wow, this woman is on fire. And I, you know, yes, obviously I use that term quite a bit, but it really had that feeling like you were spark, spark, spark. And, (laughs) And I loved every minute of it. And watching you as you have stepped into some really great things and really taking ownership of what brings you joy and what you're going to set aside and what makes sense to you for your family of four littles that are still very little and, um, and making sense of that. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today uh, to talk about um, how to see the awesomeness when you're stuck inside the hot mess. Like, how do you hold on to that vision when everything around you is like, holy fuck, what is happening, right? So I'm very eager to get that going. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I love all the things that you do. So um, I may or may not get the actual titles right, but you're a culinary nutrition specialist. Expert. Expert. Okay. The the actual Um, title from the category. And an independent Epicure representative consultant? Yes. yes. And, and I am uh, a, a director now. We ooh, are a directorship right. you, team. That's fabulous. Yes, mm-hmm. you. I saw the, the up level uh, just recently. <laughs> Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. And um, I'm a huge fan of making easy meals, making good, healthy, delicious food. Um, I too have a background in nutrition. Not too many people know that, that I have a degree in nutrition. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm always get really excited um, when there's an opportunity to blend some of the knowledge that I have with some of the everyday things that I need to do, like, you know, make some food for myself. And I, I happen to also feed a few other people. So we, um, most of us do. <laughs> right. And, and to know that there's an opportunity, there's options for quick, easy and all of that. So yes, I love that. Uh, we have that connection and, and we, we definitely can tap into that a little bit, but I'm, you know, me, Jess, you know, you've listened to the podcast, you know, that I get super excited about how <laughs> things were shitty and how, <laughs> and the story that brought you to this place, right. And, this and, place. and you know, <sighs> and I know that every woman in our world, um, we each have a powerful story that has helped to create the lives we live today. And um, for people like yourself, the, the opportunity to go through something, go through a variety of things, um, the ups and the downs, and continue to keep that vision. That's what I'm really excited about and really interested in, in talking to you more about. So, so Jess, the floor is yours, my friend, please. The floor is mine. Yikes. <laughs> uh, so what 
do you want me to start? Uh, like, I, if you had asked me, you know, even uh, it's been, I've been in business five years, so I'll say more than five years ago. If you'd asked me a decade ago when Paul and I were still childless, this year's our 15th anniversary. So 10 years ago, we were, we were starting a family. I think actually it was 10 years ago this week that I found out I was pregnant with our oldest child. So we, we lived together for five years as husband and wife before we ever had kids. And if you'd asked me at that time, if I saw myself as a direct sales director with a company that sells food, I might have laughed at you and said, uh, probably not. I had, <laughs> I have done direct sales before. I did direct sales as a student. It was one of those things I did one summer between years at university because direct sales is it's a great opportunity for a student you can make as much money as you want really the harder you work the more you make so there's no limitations of you know you have three and a half months of summer and you need to make ten thousand dollars well you better hustle your butt so like i've always loved direct sales for that right where it was it was never the job that my parents you know pulled strings to get me, I never got one of those. My sister got all of those jobs. <laughs> my sister maybe never had to really work hard to get a summer job. Somebody always had a job my sister could do for them. This guy went looking for all the things. And trust me, <laughs> my, if I had to put it all on a resume, you might be like, what the hell? I cut cabbage in a barn like for processing for like vegetables well, he, yeah here's the thing i would likely not be surprised i would be like enamored with and be like oh <laughs> exciting oh that's interesting um but i don't know if i'd be surprised knowing you the way that i do and knowing that as a as a multi-potentialite <laughs> and as someone who who follows their passions quickly right so um, you yeah. you can see me ending up in all kinds of things and so uh, what led me here now was family. Mm. It was not that direct sales was what I thought I was going to do forever. I was a lab technician. I went to Guelph. I have a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science and Biotic Systems. Um, <laughs> of course you do. Natural resource management, right? Like <laughs> I wanted to be a vet, which is how I ended up at Guelph. I adore the school. It was some of the best times ever. Okay, I just, I just need to pause there. Have we ever talked about that? Because I'm also a Guelph alum. Uh -huh. So yeah. Okay. We, just, <laughs> we haven't because I recently <laughs> saw that and I was like, ah, how did that never come up? <laughs> so we are both Griffins and we yes. were probably there at the same time. Oh my God. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to have to put a pin in that because um, come back. that'll that's, just, that's <laughs> not for today. Um, so <laughs> we, when Paul and I met, I was in what should have been my last year at Guelph, um, but I did the semester abroad. He's from Scotland. So in order to complete the environmental science program at Guelph, there is a substantial um, dissertation project, and it, it takes the whole year. The first half of the year is zero credit, but that's when you work with your client and do your actual research. And then the second half of the year is when you put everything together and hand it in for your marks. You can't do that in opposite years because it, yeah. So I couldn't do the dissertation my last year because I was in Scotland. So my four-year degree took me five years because when I came home, I had to finish it. 
And so he and I met while I was there and I gladly would have just stayed in Scotland and never come back, except I had to come home and finish my degree because it's, it's one of those shoulds, right? Yeah. You, you paid all that money. You should probably finish your degree. Um, so and I, then, I, I have to add, because hello, <laughs> took me five years. The fourth year was a bit of a, a shit show and I moved and I didn't finish. And then I had to go back and like figure it out. And oh, I just yeah. need to comment that. So Deanna, who of course is watching on Facebook right now. I know her, she's a Guelph alum because <laughs> she, <laughs> How do I not know these things? she and my sister were in the theater arts program together. Like, okay. Stop yeah. It. Okay. They, when I, when Deanna, so I did a challenge thing with Deanna two years ago when we met on the um, Spark sessions. And when Deanna tagged me for that, my sister was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I came home to finish my degree. We got married in there, like on Ferry Lake in Newmarket with two witnesses and my opa taking pictures because we had to get married to get him the thing. paperwork. Yeah. Right. And then I went away, I buggered off again. I moved back to Scotland six weeks after we got married because I was, I was a waitress. I had nothing here. So I went and I lived a year there while we, you know, made all the big plans for life that sat in limbo while you waited for the government to do your paperwork. So right. when we got back here, he got a job. I got a job. We kind of did the things to pay the bills and whatever. And that, that was it. Was it like the the shitty stuff? Like I, I was. Oh. I remember being there in that space where like everything and anything is possible, and then the action you take is the shitty stuff. Like right. I we moved back into my high school bedroom. Right. Right. We our our wedding day was our first anniversary. So we've been married almost a year when we moved back here into my high school bedroom across the hall from my parents. That lasted until three weeks after the wedding. And then we were like, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> we lived in a, an apartment on Main Street. I worked for a jeweler on Main Street Newmarket and he had a flat upstairs. So like, I, it was like a British sitcom. I walked downstairs to go to work. <laughs> so, so I'm, it, let's, Walk me through, like, fast forward a little bit yep. to, you know, doing the things and then, like, piecemealing and taking jobs and working at things. And then So, the job at the jeweler didn't work out. My Nana died, left us money. We bought a house. So, we bought this house, which was not in the should timeline because we didn't have the money. And then Nana died and left me enough that we had a deposit, a substantial one for a couple our age who really, he had no work history. Right. In this country, right? right? Like <laughs> he all and, knew and stuff. And my work history, I was like the Jeffersons, like I, every job under the sun. And so to get a mortgage was like no, until my nana gifted us the best thing ever. Right. One of the best people of my life. I miss that lady every day. I talk to her almost every day. Um, and she gave us this opportunity to start the next part of our life and be here. And so, and then I, an opportunity for work came up with a girlfriend. She was the manager of a lab. Uh, we were contracted by CN. I tested engine oil. It was not what I envisioned with my environmental degree, testing diesel engine oil for CN rail. <laughs> really going to So, okay. So then, you know, I remember being, I, I too did the five-year pause on the kid thing. Yeah. Um, and the, there's this like, this, this idea of potential. 
so when you, I remember being in like the, we're not, maybe not having kids and we don't have any right now. We're probably not going to have, like, I wasn't, we weren't like there. We weren't the parents or the people who got married and like, we're going to. And then had babies. Right. And, and. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we could do this all day, but the, the grand ideas, they stayed there. And it's not right. that kids brought us into should land, but it's, it, it happens. So right. what, what was that moment when you went from, you know, I, I know within the kid windows, like obviously your kid window is a little bit longer than mine, um, that you're just doing things because you need to, but when did you turn those shoulds into coulds, uh, to paraphrase from uh, one of my other guests, Nancy, um, and, and, and start taking some of that dream potential that had occurred in the early days and bringing it to life. Doing something. Well, so direct sales came back into my life as a, it was a, a must. Um, Paul, when he got here and got permission to work, he worked really hard. He moved up in a corporate big box. He was upper management. He had a great salary. And so that was when the babies happened. We were comfortable. We could have babies. And again, if you wait till you can afford them, you'll never have them, especially four of them. Um, And when the third one, so we had the first three of them in three years, they're 2011, 12, 13 babies. The third one is December, 2013. And in February of 2014, corporate big box said, have a nice life. Mm. I was home because number two and number three are 15 months apart. I didn't have time to go back to work between them to qualify for EI. And then suddenly we were home with nothing. He got a six month severance and said, and they said, have a nice life with no actual reason. Just, we don't have room in our budget for you anymore. Young managers are easy to get rid of because they're cheaper to let go of. So that's pretty much what it was. We were home almost that entire first year of her life. All of us, all five of us. So we lived this year, <laughs> six years ago, right. because even though we could go places six years ago, we couldn't because we had no money. So right. we lived this life of isolation, except he was here too. I started running that year. I started a blog that year. It's still in WordPress land. <laughs> so Mama, is that, is Mama that needed he- something for her, for her. Right. and he got a new job we had the numbers, we, we looked at things and it was scary because now we had th- three babies and, and his salary that they were offering at this new job was nowhere near. And so he said, I know our plan was that you would be home with them until they were big enough. But right now that's doesn't fit in our budget. So he and I, we decided together that there, I needed something. We both agreed that the something couldn't be full-time nine five because full-time daycare for three kids was not possible. When I started with Epicure, one of them was in school. There's there it it is utterly impossible to pay full-time daycare for four children. It was more than the salary I had been earning at the lab that and that job was gone. I told them when I left after my second baby that I probably wasn't going to come back. And then I got pregnant again. And I was like, I'm definitely not coming back. You don't need to hold my job for me, like whatever. So I just want to point out something, because I remember this struck me as fascinating when you first shared it with me years ago, that, um, you know, the, I don't think it's unique that 
um, families where one of the <coughs> one of the adults turns to a direct sales um, type of business to stay home to do the, all the things, right? So I don't that yeah. in itself is not unique, um, but I found it interesting because what I hear a lot of which is that, which is awesome is I absolutely love this product. I loved everything about it and I figured out a way to start selling it or I was buying so much of it. I just wanted the discount and all, all of a sudden I turned into this thing and it became this awesome thing. And here we go. What struck me for you was you did some serious research because it was the vehicle that you needed. Um, and, and, Yes, you gravitated to something that made sense to you, but it wasn't something you were already loving up on. Right. And, and then, you know, uh, so for me, I look at that and go, you know, yes, you were in a bit of a hot mess moment um, and, and doing Definitely. what you could to figure it out. And I, I, I love how you turn to sort of some logic and combined it with some love. And so the logic is Paul and I am the love. And that's what <laughs> makes us yin and yang um so we we did we did a lot of research and he and i both came to the sad and scary conclusion that i share often because it is kind of a big deal for a lot of people either i live like a zombie and work nights or graveyards or something else you know afternoon shift swing shift continental whatever you want to call it and never see him barely see my children and live like someone I don't recognize because this guy does need sleep to function as a human. They're all good sleepers. That's why there's four of them. There would only be one. If the third one was the first one, there would only be one. Um, but we realized that any place that offered, that even offered continental shifts or a night shift or a graveyard shift, you had to start at 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. He's not home till 6.30. I think that that reality, I think you're right. I mean, being really aware of what, of who you are and what was a necessity. Yeah. Um, and, and then I want to say a bit of a, it's not a luxury. I don't, I just the, the minute to be able to pause inside of that. And not everybody has that. No. Um, and unfortunately I think that's sometimes why direct sales gets a bad name too, is that not everybody takes that moment of pause mm -hmm. to really consider why they're considering direct sales. One, as the, the whole business model and two, why they're considering their specific company. I actually just shared a blog post about this today on my page. Right. Um, because so often it is, a, I was already buying the products or someone I knew already loved them or whatever. And so I jumped on, which is great because if you already love it, that's, that is check one on the list of things to think about when considering direct sales, because if you don't love it, if it doesn't, work for you, you're never going to be successful. Again, another reason why direct sales get such a bad name is that people jump in because they really love that mascara, but they don't think about how they're going to use the whole business. So how does, how does that, that uh, lens, if you will, so this opportunity for you to blend the logic and the love. And I, I'm going to throw it out there that yes, Paul may be logical and you may be the, the lovey-dovey one. However, for you, yeah. for you to be able to execute is beyond uh, just partners being in our lives. So how would you say that you then took that lens, that, that way of, of viewing experiences, and how has that sort of played out in other areas of your life? Because I understand 100% the 
the path that you chose and, and not everybody has, not everybody takes, you know, everybody walks a different path, different and, path yes. and how they get to their business and how they get to their passion, how they get to doing what it is they do all day. Um, that's going to differ. I think what's valuable in what you said is just the pause for whatever reason. And for just to, so that you can, and you know this, um, because you've known me longer than a minute, um, connecting it to the big old values. The things. And so Paul and I researched together. We had it narrowed down to three companies. At the time, there were almost a hundred. I think now there's more than a hundred direct sales companies in Canada. And it was, it was a number of things. And what, what drew me to Epicure was Epicure. Our founder and CEO are mother and daughter. Family is one of my core values. We are a family owned company. Nobody else invests money in how Epicure operates. It is still just mom and daughter, their money, their profits deciding how we continue. We have uh, a very large branch of Epicure is our charitable giving and philanthropic, right? And so we give money back to food security programs and things like that. The logical Paul, it's food, but it's not shitty food, right? right? You can, I mean, we've all been part of school fundraisers where you buy ready to go pizza from Little Caesars. Everybody can get easy food. What struck with Paul and I, because he read the whole catalog too, was that it's good food and that it's something so, that he could see me and my integrity yeah. being able to represent and not feel like I was going against something that was to my core. Right. And yes, I think you can sell a product and make money, but that doesn't mean that it feels good if what you're selling isn't, doesn't resonate with you. Right. And you and I have talked about, um, being values led and, um, and we are always being driven by our values. So the, the core elements of ourselves that matter most, we're being driven by them, whether we have identified them or not. And of course, and we were at together. that time I hadn't identified no. them. And now that I work with you and I can see that that's probably part of what guided me in that direction, because right. it resonated so much with everything that matters to me. I mean, right. leadership is one of my core values. It's probably why I have heard of children to lead. <laughs> um, and so the opportunity to build, right? And so a company that gives that opportunity to build, could I see myself building towards leadership with Epicure? Because maybe not every company I could see myself, it, it might be a few hundred bucks, but I, did I see myself growing there? The family values that Epicure holds very, very important. That was huge. Integrity. Our never ever list and our product guarantees are part of what make me so confident in representing them. We're not just selling you some crappy processed food product like most of the whole processed food industry is. Yes, our food has to be processed to be packaged. It's We're not a farmer's market, but I, our CEO, we, we Zoom with her twice a week right now to keep, again, twice a week, our CEO sits down in her living room and speaks to, on Mondays, our entire sales force, and on Fridays, our leadership team about what's going on in at-home office with our staffing, with our shipping, with our production. The conversations she's had 
with our garlic growers in California because again, we're a food product. We can't just make more yeah. until we get more like, and that has been a huge thing. So I, I think that has been part of what has fed my fire and my passion to be a part of this company is that I align with how our CEO and her mom, our founder run the company. It makes me feel like I belong there and it makes me confident to represent that I belong there, right? Can I, can I just want to pause on yes. that. Because number one, belong, super huge. Alignment is, is key. And I think, you know, so the, the question is, when you look back on your resume, let's say, what, you know, can you see the difference? And, um, and you know, when I, I am a big fan of reflective practice, obviously for me and what I do and how I do it is looking back, evaluating, integrating and learning. And, um, I too can look back on my very sparkly and sparse and up and down resume and go, huh, you know, what I thought was spring fever is possibly not being aligned with my values. What I thought was my problem, my fault, me not fitting in was actually not being aligned and not feeling that true sense of belonging as myself. So what I think is so powerful when I, when I speak with you, when I connect with you about, you know, if we're talking about up here specifically, but about the why that you do what you do, it's clear I don't need to have done the spark sessions with you and seen your values to know exactly what your values are. Um, and, and I think for all the women who are feeling some serious disconnect, because as we evolve, whether you're a mom or not, but we evolve through the different facets of our lives, it's that alignment that is so crucial. Yes. And having, Again, having worked with you through the Spark sessions and to be so much more aware of those, I can look back and be like, oh, well, because some of, some of the jobs were doer. You do the things, there shoulds, right? Because it's what you're supposed to do. You, you go to uni, you get the degree, you get a job, you pay the bills. I don't, you don't, yes, if you want to live in a house, you got to pay for it, but it doesn't mean that you have to pay for it by sacrificing yourself. Yes. And so that is part of, and I had a whole conversation yesterday with somebody that I just recently met. That has been the evolution of my why to Simon Sinek us here. Yes. When I started, Epicure filled a gap. It was a job I could do, a business I could do in the, the time frame that we had that worked for our family because what Paul does, he's, he's a doer. It doesn't, it, this conversation yesterday was, he feels pride in accomplishing his every day because he gets paid to do that and that keeps us safe. Yes. But that is not the same as feeling genuine joy and fulfillment from what you do simply because what you do brings you joy and fulfillment. He is fulfilled because he looks after us. And I would even go so far as to say, you know, looking at every individual, no matter how strong and, and connected the partnership is, values are not identical. 
And no. so, and, and we can get into a whole other conversations around the dynamics of the relationships between men and women, the, um, the, the shame and should culture of men, um, and, and, sure. what, and, and us as the partners um, with men, what that experience is like. Um, but knowing that whatever the value is that he puts out front, that is, that's, the, that's what's driving the bus. Right. right. And, so, and having lived through one of the most shameful things a, a man can live through, losing your job and not being able to support your family is what fuels the shame and should pattern of what he continues to do now. So my why has evolved way more from just something to connect me to other grown up humans outside of my home when I had young babies and something to give us a little extra cash. I am now in a position as a director with a team to out earn him if I choose to. I did last month, right? And he was excited about that because that means as we grow this business, because he supports me along the way, I can become more sufficient and he can do something that brings him fulfillment simply because of what he's doing and not what what he's doing pays him for doing that. And I think, I mean, if you listen to anything Simon Sinek has ever said, he he gives you, and Tony Robbins and all of them, you can't think that your why is going to stay what it was when you started. And if you you don't evolve with your why, that's where you get stuck. And so being able to see the value in the business model, but the business I specifically represent, that it aligns with me, makes it so much easier to grow it and build it and love it. And all the while growing and building and loving what I do means that I get Paul closer and closer to being able to do something that he feels it's not just a should anymore. I heard some really, I mean, that was all awesome. I heard some gold in there um, about the evolution of the why. And so to dial it back to our original sort of, how do you see the awesomeness when you're in the hot mess is number one, we've, I've said this over and over. There is no like you're in hot mess and then you're in awesomeness Blam. end of story. No. no, it is a, it's a cycle. We go through sort it's of like up a spiral of life. Right. And so, you know, we can get into, you make a decision, it's research-based, you feel confident that it's the right thing to do for right now, which is always, you know, that's my new mantra right now, just do the next right thing. And um, But then your and, pendulum swings. Right, and so to know that you're following your values and you're connecting to what's important to you now, and then when it gets hot messy again, not going, well, how do I make it back what it was? And how do I like, and standing firm and like, but it was the right thing. It's the right thing. And looking and saying, what is it that I need now? And we, we're going to stay like staying aligned with what matters and mm-hmm. recognizing that we are evolving all of all the time. The time. Funny mean, you, you say it that way. I have a note from a call I was on last night with um, Steve Wilshire. He's a, he's specifically a direct sales trainer. And he, I wrote it down. What would, oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong page here. What might I need to change about myself and what I'm doing in order to get what I want? Right? And so that is where 
the evolution comes from because you see it's a meme. <laughs> You're never going to get anything more than what you already have if you don't do anything more than what you're already doing. Right. And I think you nailed it. I mean, and, or maybe he nailed it, Steve whatever. Nailed I mean, it. It's, yeah. it's this idea. And this is something that I think is so important, especially now when we're looking at um, intentional evolution for so many of us about learning, listening, unlearning, re-listening. <laughs> And, yep. um, and knowing that the fingers point this way, right? So the changes yeah. that I am experiencing are happening as a result of how I'm thinking, the filters I'm running those thoughts through, and then how I'm choosing to And then to the respond. decisions I've actually taken action on. Right? Exactly. And so it is our responsibility to acknowledge and become aware of where we're at in the moment without judgment. Like, this is where I am. This is right. This is these are the thoughts that I'm having. This is the things that are going on. This is the circumstances in my life. And what do I want that, that may be different than where I am? There may be things that I'm like, nope, solid. This is the, these are all stay like, this is good. Um, (laughs) but sometimes there's stuff where it's like, Oh, I see. So when, when Bertha starts saying that stuff in my head, (laughs) it's because I got to change that. Right. Okay. Goodbye. Right. And I uh, honestly, that's not sometimes I'm going to say sometimes probably all the time. Most people don't know enough about themselves to do that work alone. It's acknowledging. So step one is asking that question, but then step two is acknowledging that by asking that question, you might need to find someone to help you because what might I need to change about myself or what I'm doing is a great question. But if you can't even start to answer that, you need to find someone to help you work through that. And and that's where the spark sessions were awesome because you forced us to really look at that. And I, you know, I always look at um, where someone is at and at what level, at how deep they want to go into it and for what reasons, right? So to whatever the statement is, whatever the why is for that person, if it's driving behavior that they are that they that like that's good yeah, keep then going. great and but if it is so, driving destructive behavior right nah. and and by just and you know to look at that and go it may be driving any behavior that feels good in the moment i would even go so far as it is it sustainable so and and not even talking about um food and diet and weight or anything but is no, whatever it is in your trying, brain right whatever you're trying to engage in is the action you're taking going to help you to sustain this for the long term? And often that's where you have to start digging deeper into the, the whys. The why. And, and, and you know, what is it about this that is, that is driving behavior so yeah. that you can you know, get down to the root, clear that out so that the, what you're looking to gain sort of more uh, outwardly or maybe um, a little bit, I don't want to say surface, but sort of you know, what's happening in your world yeah, that those changes can be have be long term, and the impact can be um, what you choose. And I think yeah. that again, coming back to your why, and you know, I do some investigative work around that. And and you're right; it's it's valuable to have another human to offer a perspective shift because I yeah. think that's that's part of the big what you were saying. You know, when you're asking questions, you may not have the answers because you only know what you know. 
And if right. you haven't known it yet, then chances are you don't know it you now. Don't know it. Yeah. So you have to explore that. <laughs> yes. And so being curious about yourself is a good way to start. Even just asking questions, your brain will go look for answers that it maybe has never brought to the surface before. So that's a good right. place to start. And, and then alternatively, you, you sit with anybody, coach, whatever, who is willing to ask you questions that allow you to answer them, right? So it's, sometimes it's just the questions need to be asked that you haven't yet to even right. ponder, right? And, and so did you that is, oh, sorry, go. Did you experience that? Like, aside of me, like, what was that process like when you, you started going, oh, oh, okay, so... I need to be curious about this. Oh, this is interesting. New perspective. Um, yes. And so it gave me the opportunity to look at where I was in my business. I, I got, I got here because there was something I wanted out of this. And as that grows and changes, it gave me the chance to be like, okay, well, why, why do I want that? Cause you know, my next big business goal is the senior director. It's the next level in our business plan. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? And why does that matter? Well, it, it matters because I want to show the girls that there is the potential to grow a business that doesn't look like your typical job. And that what I do still gives value to my customers and my people and who, who I am. It makes me feel like I have offered something of value to people. Okay. I just have to say that epiphany moment, that sort of, I'm all of a sudden, I, I just got brought way back to your summer jobs and how <laughs> your sister got all these ones, but you didn't. And it's probably more about because you, it's not so much that they didn't exist is that it needed to exist for you in a certain way where yeah. you, um, it aligned with how you wanted to show up. And I think um, you highlighted there when you said you, what we're looking to, what you're looking to teach your, the next generation, your next yes. generation is specifically what you can do that allows you to stay true to you and grow and evolve. That's so, scary for people. Mm -hmm. It can be right. Because if you, if you sat down with a family with four young kids and told them to take the pause with, and the pause might mean not going to work and not going to the job that they can't stand because it's not fulfilling them. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. We're, we're in a position now where again, Paul doesn't super love his job, but he still does it because it pays the bills. I mean, it's, it's a, again, it comes down to, it's not a journey. And I think that, you know, there's no instance where it's like, you must do, if you did this, this will be the end result. It's if you can I, I don't think it's linear like that. No. It's not a, yeah. Hardcore. No, I think so, it's more yeah. just about being open to seeing things differently to allow, like you said, to allow for sort of new solutions to arise and, and yes. being able to recognize that the only person who's going to be able to shift your perspective is you with an openness to receive. Right. Because um, if, if you aren't open to shift, you're not going to see the new opportunities. You're still going to see the, the scary part. If you're not willing to say, this isn't working right now. So I need it to change. Why do I want it to change? And the thing that you need on the other side of why it changes has to be bigger than the thing that is scaring you from even considering that the change is possible. 
And I mean, that even part of that is what I, I teach even in, in my kids' classes. To them, they're just learning how to cook food, but I'm teaching them where we bought the food that we go to the farmer's market and we pick the lettuce, it needs washed because it's dirty because it grew in the ground. We have to be willing to recognize that it long-term, those are important things to see the change we want. If we don't teach our kids that they can, there's a difference between telling your kids they can be anything they want and teaching them how to be anything they want. You can't just tell them they can be anything they want and not give them any guidance or you end up with an entire generation who isn't willing to work. <laughs> well, it, alternatively, um, I say you'd end up with an entire generation that doesn't know how to delineate and to discern where they want to put their time and energy because it's too shitty. And because I say there's that too because, much. Well, everything. I mean, we are that generation because I grew up with parents and an entire society saying, Hey, you're a girl, you're allowed to do whatever you want now. Right. Because prior to that, that was not the case. Right. And you can be anything, you can do anything, but there was no how. How? So what ended up <laughs> happening is it was you, I'm looking around going, I can be anything turns into, I have to be everything. Right. Very, very sort of thin line there. And what we end up with is an entire generation of overly stressed out, burn out, on the path to burnout women because we are because no one showed us how to be how. what we wanted instead right. of telling us we could be all that we wanted well that's that's not right. that's and not we, possible you no, can't and, be all the things all well, you the time not all the time it, i think what's inside of that and you know it it the one question i ask every client or every potential client is what do you want and every single one of those, I have no fucking idea. Right. Because that is, that is the thing that we had yet to be, um, it, it, wasn't, to it, it wasn't brought up, right? It wasn't right. about our wants. Um, and so we don't learn how to want. And so that becomes right. then, well, I don't know what I want, but I know what everybody else wants. And I'll make sure everybody has that. And if everybody has what they want, then I know that at least I've done my job and I'm happy because they're happy and but I'm then exhausted. That logic is failed because if I don't know what I want, how do they know what they want? How can I possibly give them what they want? Because if I don't know what I want, they don't know what they want. And I'm just rushing around trying to give people what I think they think they want, but nobody ever taught any of us to actually say, you know what? Actually, I don't want any of this. I don't want to go to that job. I don't want to marry that guy. I don't want to have kids. And I have girlfriends who don't want those things. And their mom is still of the generation that is like, I'll never be a grandmother then. So here's, cause um, we, we are um, at the end of our, of time. Yes, yes, we're at the end of our chat, which has been phenomenal. And I think we've hit on some really important points of, about being women, about being leaders, about um, really asking questions, asking questions, mm -hmm. getting curious. And so just what would be your, your gold nugget for the woman who is sort of stepping into this world for the first time or for the first time with their eyes wide open, like ready to look in and go, okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to to take this on and figure out what I want and actually figure out 
where I, where I would like to go. So what would be your sort of gold nugget piece of wisdom? Uh, do the scary thing, even if it is really scary. Like some, I, I jumped out of a plane. I've broken up with my mother. I, those things are terrifying. I've, decided to be an entrepreneur and haven't been paid by a job in almost eight years those are scary things especially when you're raising another generation of humans um and so, again so, it's a meme everything you want is on the other side of fear so if you if you can do the work yourself and list the scary things you know you need to do then you have to do them. If you require the help of a coach or someone to tell you to do the scary things, then you have to listen. Right. When the coach says, write out the 10 things you want to say to this person that upsets you, or write out the 10 things that you would do if money was no object or time wasn't whatever, then you actually have to start being willing to do those things and be willing to hear, but maybe not let it affect you. What other people might have to say about you doing those scary things. It's not a culturally awesome thing to break up with your toxic mother because she's your mother, right? But if that is the thing that makes you the better version of yourself, you have to look past the fact that she gave birth to you and really, really understand that if you continue the relationship, mother, uncle, sister, the toxic person in your life, right? If that's the thing that is stopping you, it's terrifying, but you have to do it. If yep. the money is the scary thing, money comes and goes. It's a figurative construct these days, <laughs> really. Well, I, so I think I, I agree with you. You know I agree with you. I think what is inside of that, again, is coming down to knowing what you want and knowing what matters most to you. So it, it to know there's lots of things that are scary. Some of the things you I might no, not be willing to do. I have no desire to do. And right. I, and I don't look at it and go, that's going to better me, but I wouldn't know that unless I knew where I wanted to go wanted to go. Right. So and that's, that's great. I, I think that, I think that's the thing is like, there are lots and lots of scary things in life that I, I don't need to do because they're not going to get me to where I need to be, but you have to be willing to look at the scary things that you do need to do to get to where you want to be and acknowledge that they're scary and acknowledge that you still have to do them or you are never going to get where you want to be. And so what's scarier? Yeah. Being, still being, still being where you are, is that scarier than being where you want to be? And if not, then maybe you are okay to still keep doing the and, things and, and that's stay where you are. Yeah. You have to acknowledge that too. Maybe the thing on the other side is too much. And I, until you're willing, again, until you're willing to do any of the things, you, you are still the person in control of that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I've long time said everything happens as soon as it can. Mm -hmm. and um, being, <laughs> being patient is crucial. And the same thing, the, the pain of staying here needs to be greater than the pain of, or the of fear of, of moving forward, right? So, yeah. um, and, and that will happen in time as you continue to take small steps towards even acknowledging what you want, 
figuring out where you'd, where you'd like to go, even considering it, those are all pieces of the puzzle that yes. are leading you somewhere. It's not a, I mean, bold action, in my opinion, is not always the big action. No. Bold action is often the tiny steps that we take, which by the way, from a busting your inner critic standpoint and getting birth out of the way, um, is a brilliant way to go about it because your inner critic has a hard time seeing the little tiny steps you take and is really good at derailing you when you make these big moves. Big, right. Big moves, right? So in line with all of the things that we talked about and, and the challenges that you faced and how you were able to um, stay focused. I, you know, I heard a lot of those small steps in this, like, okay, we're going to be doing this and we're going to be doing this inside some big moments. Yes. But to be able to get to where you are today, it wasn't like you decided that you were going to join Epicure and then it was like there, it was, you know, evolving, acknowledging your why, how it shifts, being mindful of where you are and being willing to learn. That, that is, that is the nugget being able to do the work to figuring out you so that when people and, and experiences and opportunities show up that are going to enhance so that you feel like more of yourself, yep. not more than yourself, um, you can connect with that. So Jess, exactly. I am, I am <laughs> super, super grateful uh, for this opportunity for us to chat. And um, I, you know, I always love chatting with you and our, our talks often runneth over. And they do. <laughs> So, so thank you to everybody who has been watching, who connect with us on Facebook. If you are um, catching this on the replay, then great. Um, I, I look forward to seeing all of the next amazing adventures that you are going to be going on. And as you up level and shift and evolve and your why grows and, and um, I'm eager to. There's always food at my table. <laughs> Just. If, if that's what your soul tells you you need, then I am your person. There's always good food here. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jess. And um, we will talk very soon. Yes, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.